This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Today, we'll be discussing some really juicy letters about what happens when an affair partner becomes a coworker, girls' trip drama, and friends with benefits who also have benefits with other friends. Here to help me out today is my guest, Jasmine Guillory. She is the New York Times bestselling author of romance novels, including The Wedding Date, The Proposal, and While We Were Dating. She's also known for using her Instagram to give her followers pep talks and for providing friendship matchmaking services that I actually talk about a lot in the column because it works so well. Like me, she's a recovered lawyer and she's a brand new dog mom, if you hear any barking in the background. Hey, Jasmine, thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So I have to ask you, what is one piece of advice that you would just like to give to people unrelated to any letters? Okay, this is actually something I've been thinking a lot about in the past few weeks. Um, my biggest advice, I think, for any person, but especially any like woman or person of marginalized like gender or race or anything, mm-hmm. if you are planning to get married or have a child with someone or otherwise like blend, you know, tie your life to someone. Talk to divorced women first. Wow. Not to convince you not to do it, but to figure out what to do with money specifically. Mm. Because I think I have like so many people sort of get get into marriages, like kind of pretending that the money part doesn't exist. Money is one of the things people have the biggest fights about that often tears apart marriages. And then if you're splitting up, then you're often in terrible situations. So like just have conversations with a number of divorced women about what do you wish you had done before to like figure out the money. And I think it lets everybody go in with just like having bigger conversations with people about how we're going to accomplish this. Are we going to have separate accounts? Are we going to have a joint account? Are we, is there going to be a prenup? Like any of that, this is not to say you should not get married or you should not blend your finances, but you should have conversations about all of that first. So what I hear you saying is have a secret bank account. You can, <laughs> you can leave it anytime. I just want to translate for people. No, I'm just kidding. That's great advice. Very, very smart. Jasmine and I will dive into your questions after a short break. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash prudyplus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudyplus. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Jasmine Guillory. Let's get started with our first letter. It's titled, Just Want to Have Fun Without the Drama. We are turning 40 this year. This means a girl's trip away with an ex-best friend who was mean to me for years. I had a rough patch because I lost a baby, and she was insensitive and awful. When I asked her to stop, she stopped talking to me. We no longer have a relationship, but still share a good friend. I have done my best to focus on what I can control and move on. My question is, do I skip the trip and the awkwardness that is likely when she is around, but also let her win? Or do I go and do my best to ignore this awful person because it's only a weekend and I shouldn't always be left out because she is mean? Don't you feel as though group trips can be really challenging, even if everyone likes each other? Yes. I mean, I think I, I think this is another situation where like everybody has to be all in and have clear conversations about what's happening because mm-hmm. they're often so challenging. Sometimes, you know, you know, unless it's like your two best friends who you've known forever. Right. You sometimes know some people better than other people. There's always money is always an issue. People yeah. want to do some things and not others. Like, yeah. yeah. Different energy levels. Yes. No clear leader is a big problem. There's no sometimes be two people fighting for authority as like the yes. camp counselor. Some morning people, some night owls. Yeah. Everybody fights about, oh, you're up too late. Oh, you're up too early. You know. And even if you're all on the same schedule, you're talking to people from the moment you wake up in the morning until the moment you close your eyes at night. For me, that's a lot. And I can love the people more than anyone in the world. And I'm still going to feel like somewhat challenged being in those close quarters away from home, living out of a suitcase for a few days. Right. And it unless you're with people who you know well enough to say like, I need my alone time right now and they won't get offended. Someone will get offended if you just want to go by, be by yourself for like 30 minutes. Totally. So personally, given all that, given all the challenges that come with group trips, even under the best possible circumstances, I would not spend my money to travel um, on a trip that included someone I did not like. I just wouldn't do it. No, and I what I don't understand about this letter is it says like we are turning forty. I understand mm-hmm. that you know maybe it's a whole group of people who all went to high school together or whatever. But is it someone else's birthday and you have to go, or is it a joint? We're all forty birthday party. In which case, why do you have to do it? Like there's so many things that feels like this is not your this is not your event to right. deal with. I did a joint, we're all turning 40, um, with my high school friends. We went to Napa and it was really fun. Um, but if I, if I didn't like one of those people, I would have definitely found a different way to celebrate and commemorate my 40th birthday. Right. Exactly. Like the, the people I go on group trips with are the people who I like every single one of them. We all know each other well enough to like one time I was on, (laughs) I've told this story before, but one time I was on a group trip with two of my best friends who we've been like, we've all been really close since college. It had been like a few days and the person driving was like getting fussy because we were like, you know, we got lost and whatever. And one of us was like, you're being a real bitch right now. And she was like, oh, you're right. I am. And then that was it. We were done. Uh-huh. Like, You know, like you need to be on trips with people where you feel like you're being a real bitch right now. And they can not take offense to that and realize like, 
you are correct. I am. Let me recalibrate myself and we'll move on. And Absolutely. And that works if you all respect each other and want the best for each other. And that's not happening in this situation. I would have loved more details on the loss that occurred and the insensitivity on the friend's part. But like, suffice it to say, it sounds like it was unkind. Whatever yeah. happened, even if the friend would like argue her side of the story, the letter writer was really hurt. This is not someone who you want to be negotiating like those fussy, bitchy moments with. Um, I could see if it was the other friend's wedding. I would say absolutely go. Be a bridesmaid. Suck it up. Be a bridesmaid. Yeah. You don't have to be all together all the time. You're, you are you have one mission and it's to support mm-hmm. your friend and move on. But if it's mm-hmm. like, if it's a trip that you don't have to go on, don't, don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. Also, um... I'm just thinking about 40 as kind of like an important milestone birthday. And I know a lot of people think of birthdays, especially these big ones, as chances to kind of reset and reframe the kind of life they want to have and set some goals and set a new tone. And I just don't think being in a space with someone who's been cruel to you, where the best you can do is be polite, is going to like set a good tone for your new year, your new decade, and this new phase of life, right? No, you'll just be like unhappy and resentful the whole time. And I find it's like in my 40s, I don't like to hang out with people I don't like. Right. (laughs) What is the point of that? (laughs) Right. It's just, I mean, there's absolutely no reason to do it anymore. Unless except, you know, funeral, wedding, whatever, something that you absolutely have to be at, but not with your precious free time and your precious money. Um, There are other flights, other hotels, other friends. And I want the letter writer to stop thinking of this as... If I don't go, she'll win. No, yeah, that I'm glad you called that out because what is she winning here? Like, right. is she winning your other friends? No, like, first of all, there's no win or lose. This is not a competition, but like, you just need to take back any kind of ego that you have, like, let go of this friendship for good um, and plan something separately with your other friends. Like, I'm sure they know that something happened between, you know, the two of you. Plan something else for your 40th birthday. Have a great birthday. Be happy. And then kind of let her go. Exactly. Okay. Our next question is titled Major Miscommunication. Three months ago, I started seeing a close friend in a friends with benefits scenario. I'll call him Henry. We both recently went through terrible breakups and found solace in each other. We both had latent feelings for the other for quite some time, but could not act on them because of our other relationships. Within four days of being friends with benefits, we made the relationship official, and we are very happy. It felt like what we both had been waiting for was finally coming true. The trouble is, about a week prior, Henry slept with my best friend Anna in a similar friends with benefits situation. I had confided in her that I was interested in Henry, and she had assured me on numerous occasions that there was no interest between them, romantic or sexual. However, Anna revealed that she was probably going to sleep with him and asked if I thought it was a bad idea. I told her it was and asked her not to, but she pushed back against that request until I, brokenhearted and worn down, finally agreed that it didn't matter. I was not in the best headspace, and I rationalized that even if they slept together, and we did too, it would be good for him to know that he was desired and cared for. But she treated him terribly, made him pay for meals and booze, kicked him out of her apartment when she was busy, and just generally was not engaging unless she was trying to get sex. It did a number on his confidence, and he feels pretty used. It turns out Henry asked if I was interested in him, and she told him that I only wanted a physical relationship. 
She assured him that I did not mind that they slept together and would actually bring us all closer. This is not unusual for our friend group, although it isn't usual for Henry or me. He would not have slept with her had she told him the full truth or if Henry hadn't been in a vulnerable emotional state. Anna denies knowing about my feelings or his, but admits that she should have known. I feel like my trust in her is completely eroded. This is only the most recent and worst transgression, and what I'm realizing is a long line of them. She also recently used my credit card without permission and stuck me with a bill she neglected to pay. Although her mental health is probably a factor in this, I sometimes feel like she uses it as an excuse to behave badly. My relationship with Henry is strong, and we have open communications regarding Anna. I acknowledge that I am hurt by what happened between them, but I'm not angry or upset with him. In truth, I feel like he was treated worse than I was in the entire affair. To his knowledge, confirmed by Anna even, he had no reason to believe that we could be anything more and that this arrangement would not damage any friendships. For me, I think this is the last straw with Anna. Still, Henry and I have mutual friends with her, and I'm not sure what either of us should do about Anna, who is distraught at the prospect of losing us both. In spite of this, I doubt her ability to change or make things right. I don't even know where she could begin. What should I do? So you know how the youth today like to call everyone toxic (laughs) for like the smallest offense? Yeah. Anna is actually in the dictionary under toxic. Anna is definitely toxic. Like, (laughs) this is not a, I don't know what to do. This is, even aside from relationship, Anna used your credit card without permission. Right. And then stuck you with the bill. Like, what? No. And that's just one in a long list of things. Um, (laughs) It was so hard to even focus in on the worst parts here. Like, I knew I was reading about a fact pattern way outside my personal area of expertise when I read. She assured him that I did not mind that they slept together and that it would actually bring us all closer. This is not unusual in our friend group. This is unfamiliar territory, but I think you're right that, like, Whatever your thoughts on like monogamy or not or open relationships or friends with benefits, you don't steal your friend's credit card. No, no, you really don't. You don't, you don't use your, like, a guy, I feel like using your friend's credit card without permission is a much worse violation than sleeping with a guy that your friend is interested in. Mm -hmm. Even though they're both bad. Even though they're both bad. Yeah. And I actually even think the way the letter writer has framed this about you know, should I be friends with Anna? That's the easy question, right? I don't think Henry's totally innocent either here. I think the letter writer has kind of tried to make themselves feel less vulnerable or more powerful in the situation by saying, oh, I really didn't mind. And, you know, Henry was treated so horribly and I feel bad for him. How was he to know that I had feelings with him? Well, you're both adults and he could have talked to you. Like normally if you want to find out about your friend with benefits interest in you, you would talk to your friend with benefits, not a third party. He actually did have a a way to get that information. Yeah, they they were friends. I mean, apparently they had been friends for a long time. Yeah. The theme for me is the letter writer not being at all confident in their own feelings. They allowed themselves to basically be bullied into saying it was okay for Anna and Henry to sleep together. They put in the idea that it would be good for Henry to know that he was desirable. They alleged that they're more angry about how Henry was treated. And now they're worried about Anna being distraught. 
I just want to say to the letter writer, like, stop focusing on Anna and focus on reclaiming, like, some of your dignity here. You're a person with feelings, too. You get to feel things. You get to want things. You get to be upset when people betray you and treat you badly. Like, that's fine. And you get to be mad at either side. Like, I Mm -hmm. feel like too many people think, oh, I'm not angry, as if that's a... That's a good thing. Like, it is okay to be angry. Right. You can be angry that the two people that you care about betrayed you. Like, that's okay. Um, and three people, because the letter writer just got out of a relationship, right? Like, right. it seems like maybe there's some lingering stuff going on from that breakup. You need a little bit of time. It's okay. And also, obviously, don't be friends with Anna anymore. Come on. Right. So Anna's got to go. But the letter writer is saying my relationship with Henry is strong. What do we think about that? I mean, they didn't ask, but should we just see where that goes? Or does that need to kind of end and make a clean break for all of this? I feel like I feel like maybe slow things down with Henry mm-hmm. a little bit. Anything could happen. It could be. A, it could end up being a great relationship. But maybe don't tie your whole personhood to Henry just yet. Totally agree. And this might sound, again, toxic, but I think Henry should have to cut Anna off, too. Oh, absolutely. You can't keep dating Henry and he's still going back and forth with Anna, like whether it's platonic or not. No. She's got to be out of both of your lives. Again, Anna stole your credit card. Like, the the literary didn't even phrase it that way. Like, no, Anna stole your credit card. (laughs) Right. I think my big message for the letter writer is work on getting mad and knowing that's okay or else you're going to find yourself in all these complicated situations repeatedly where you're obsessing on other people's feelings and other people's regrets and the information other people had. And like, don't worry as much about being in other people's heads. Just take the time to imagine how you would like to be treated by your dating partners and your friends and then kind of measure people against that. And if they're really violating your boundaries, if they're really mistreating you, it's okay to say, I don't like that. You don't have to make a more complicated story. Yeah, it's okay to get your feelings hurt and to think of your own feelings instead of making excuses for theirs, for what they did. Exactly. You're listening to Dear Prudence. And when we come back, more letters from you and hopefully some helpful advice. Stay tuned. We have an exciting announcement for our Dear Prudence fans. This month, we're teaming up with The Brian Lara Show. For three weeks this August, you'll be able to hear this advice column live on the radio. So listeners, if you have an interesting dilemma that you could use a little help with, write into prudence at slate.com with the subject line BL Show, and we just may answer it on air. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Jasmine, to answer your letters. The next one is titled, Not a Seven-Year Itch. My wife, Sarah, and I have been together for 15 years and married for 12. Seven years ago, I had a brief affair with Maura, a woman I met through mutual colleagues. She worked in an industry parallel to mine, but we never worked together. 
When I came to my senses, I was ashamed and regretful and confessed my indiscretion to Sarah, and we went to marriage counseling to work on rebuilding her trust in me. I also went to individual therapy to address why I would be unfaithful in the first place. Right after the affair, Sarah was adamant that I have no further contact with Maura, which I have honored. Until three weeks ago, when I came back from vacation and was pulled into a last-minute interview with a candidate who turned out to be Maura, I was blindsided. Mara is a favorite for the position, and the rest of the team seems settled on her, although we still have another round of interviews to conduct. I have disclosed that I have a previous personal relationship with her to the other members of the team, and I'm not sure I can be impartial on hiring matters, although I have not disclosed the nature of our past relationship. My wife has continued her vacation after I returned home, but was hiking in Peru without cell service, so I could not talk to her until I picked her up from the airport. I let her get settled, and then I let her know about the interview, and Mara not only potentially working at the same company as me, but on the same team. She was understandably upset. I thought ahead and scheduled an emergency meeting with our marriage counselor to discuss how we move forward. I expected her to be upset and worried, but I was unprepared for the anger and irrationality that followed. Sarah's demanded that I quit my job or tell them that if they hire her, I will quit my job. She says that under no circumstances can the two of us work in the same place and has even proposed that Mora has been stalking me this whole time, waiting to get close to me again, or that we've been carrying on for the past seven years. She accused me of withholding information from her because I didn't tell her the same day I saw Mara, despite me not being able to reach her, or telling her as soon as I picked her up from the airport. I told her four hours after she got home, I gave her time to shower and take a nap. Things came to a head during our last session when our therapist pointed out that it has been seven years since the affair, and I had proven myself trustworthy since then, and Sarah countered that she probably just hasn't caught me. I was hurt by this because I have worked really hard to gain back her trust and work on myself so I never do something like that again, and I confessed to her. I didn't try to hide it or lie about it. I came clean without her even suspecting anything, so it isn't like I was trying to be sneaky and got caught, as she insinuated. I don't know where to go from here, and it doesn't seem like our therapist is helping much. Quitting my job is not really an option. I make 80% of our household income, and I'm very well compensated at my company. I don't have a chance of making as much somewhere else as I do where I am currently. I also don't feel right about telling the company not to hire Mara because we had an affair seven years ago. Not only do I agree that she would be a great asset to the company due to her unique skill set that the other candidates don't possess, but it seems wrong to try and block the employment to anyone, especially a woman of color, and especially when she's deserving of the position. I'm hoping you have some suggestions on how to move forward with helping my wife feel more comfortable with this situation, or if I should just accept that she never really forgave me or trusted me again after the affair. Is our marriage doomed? So I had to laugh at the, especially a woman of color, because he was like throwing in every little thing to make his case stronger. Like we're going to go, oh, well, it's a woman of color and we're very concerned about pay equity. So (laughs) your wife cannot be upset about you working with your former affair partner. It was just like so extra to throw that in. (laughs) The therapist is on his side, which is interesting. I'm not. I wish that Sarah trusted you after all this time, but she doesn't. And I think this is just a great practical example of why you should not have affairs, right? It's not just to avoid hurting your spouse's feelings, but it's because they can really mess up your life in many ways down the line. You're just, you're opening yourself up to all these complications. um, And it can, it can screw things up in ways you don't expect. And this is sort of like, this is a little bit of what you signed up for when you decided to step outside of the marriage. Yeah. And the, the whole like, But I came clean. I told her when I didn't have to. That doesn't make you better. 
in many ways, like coming clean and telling her and being very specific and telling her exactly who you were sleeping with mm-hmm. often makes the situation worse. And it clearly did in this case, because right. now like your wife knows exactly what else you wanted and has had seven years to stress about it. Like, Right. And that makes me sad that it does sound like she decided to kind of like grit her teeth and move forward. And she doesn't actually trust him all the way again. Yeah. And she still has some suspicions about him. Um, maybe that's the silver lining of this is that that's been dredged up and they can start to deal with it. Maybe not with this therapist who's like, it's been seven years. <laughs> Move on. Hasn't he proved himself? I mean, I don't know what he's been doing or hasn't been doing, but I don't know. I mean, it's possible that he's messed up again. Like, I don't think his wife is out of her mind for imagining that, right? No, right. I mean, because if she had no idea the first time, maybe she has no idea this, any other time. Right. And even if he's been a, a perfect angel, I just think that part of having an affair is that you may continue to be massively inconvenienced by the fallout forever, right? Yeah. Um. He kind of says, oh, I can't leave my job because I make good money. Well, what would you do if, if you were laid off or fired, right? This can't be the only job in your industry. There have to be other jobs. Yeah. They're on LinkedIn. Yes. I mean, I, I do think he's right that he should not tell his company, I will quit if she gets hired. That no, he no, that. no. He should just look for another job. Right. And I get that's really hard for him because he thinks that when he confessed and went to therapy, he was done and like his record yes. was wiped clean. But it's not like it's not like confessing to a priest that they can yeah. wipe it all out. Like that's no, that's not how it works. That's exactly it. It doesn't erase it. Like yeah. confessing in therapy, like they help you move forward and hopefully make your marriage stronger, but they don't undo what happened. There's some other issues around like how quickly he told the wife and whatever. And to me, her anger about that just reflects that like this wound was never healed all the way. Yes. And the, the trust was never reestablished in the relationship. So I think there should be like two windows open on his computer right now. One with a job search, one looking for a new couples therapist. But I'm sorry to say, Letter Writer, even though you've written this, like making yourself look like the good guy as much as possible, I don't see another solution. If you love your marriage and you do care about it, like be grateful that you got this information that your therapist failed to surface in seven years Yeah, your wife doesn't trust you and um, <laughs> take that and hopefully, hopefully use it to make your marriage better. And yeah, I don't know, maybe a career coach too. I believe there are other jobs <laughs> out there for you. This is Dear Prudence. We need to take a break, but when we come back, more letters from you and advice from us. Stay tuned. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On Death, Sex, and Money, we feature interviews with you, our community of listeners, getting honest about uncomfortable things. I developed an illness where it isn't safe for me to drive. A friend once said to me, sex is like air. You don't think about it until you're not getting enough. This is a similar sort of thing if you just replace sex with driving. Listen to Death, Sex, and Money wherever you get podcasts. 
I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. Jasmine and I are about to tackle our last question for the day. You ready, Jasmine? I'm ready. Okay, this letter is titled, Wedding Drama Sought. My sister Claire really wants me to spoil her wedding for her. Should I? All right, I know I shouldn't. I'm just baffled as to how to deal with the situation. Claire is my younger sister, and she's getting married at the end of June. It's been what my grandmother called a very short courtship since they'll have known each other just over a year when they tie the knot. I put down any weirdness about the ceremony to that because they're having to scramble to put together a pretty big event. To date, the weirdness includes my dress is potato-colored, shaped, and so egregiously ugly that it's hard to look at it. But it's one day, and I'll be the only one who doesn't have to look at it. The menu includes items that our half-brother won't eat, but he's picky, not allergic, and we're all used to just giving him a snack to tide him over to McDonald's. And she invited three of my exes. We're grown adults, but I didn't even know they were close. But it's her day, and it's nothing I can't live with, so I've rolled with it. Except, apparently, I've been spoiling it by not getting bent out of shape about everything. One of her bridesmaids came to talk to me the other day and told me that Claire is absolutely enraged that I haven't kicked off about anything, including one thing I didn't even realize, which is that Claire's marrying my ex-boyfriend. I had to check with my dad, but apparently I went to the movies with him once when I was 14 and his mom drove us. I have no idea why Claire would spend so much time and money trying to get me to ruin her big day. We aren't close, but we don't butt heads either. We were just very different people. I have considered confronting her or dropping out of the wedding, but both of those feel like they'll feed into whatever weird thing she has going on. Or I could just continue to be unbothered by her schemes and just be a good big sister, except that would ruin the wedding for my sister somehow. This leads back to the original question, I guess. Any ideas? So Claire sounds totally irrational and weird in this telling of the story, but I can also kind of tell from the tone of the letter that the letter writer just does not really give a lot of energy or thought to Claire doesn't really give much of a shit about her. And I think Claire like picks up on that on some level and just finds it infuriating. Claire is just desperately jealous of her sister mm. and notices that her sister doesn't care about her. And yeah. so is has done everything in her power to make her sister care and is furious that her sister doesn't care. Like It's like how they say like kids will act up to get negative attention if they're not getting that positive attention. Right. Yes, I definitely think that's Claire right now. Yes, that's exactly what's happening. Like, she's marrying her sister's, who she thinks of as her sister's ex. She made her wear an ugly dress. She's doing this. She's doing that. Like, oh, she just wants her sister to react. That's all right. she wants. She wants a reaction, and she's not getting one. Right. And it does not seem to serve anyone by giving her a reaction, but also... I don't know, maybe work on the relationship with your sister. If you want to, you don't have to. <laughs> right. I think if the letter writer really wants to be the bigger person, she could like start giving Claire more attention, 
start expressing interest in her relationship, yes. which I hope is a real relationship and not one that was like entirely constructed to make the letter writer mad. Take her to lunch, have like an emotional talk about how yeah. meaningful it all is. Ask her if she needs anything. Now this is really, really being the bigger person. Plan a sister's trip. Right. Totally. If you have it in you, um, I think it might be like beneficial to set the relationship on a new track by doing all that. It is also totally reasonable to just keep not getting upset and right. let Claire like have the tantrum she wants to have. Yeah. Let her have a tantrum, go to the wedding, be in the pictures in your ugly dress and move on. Those are all the questions we have for this week. It's been fun and hopefully helpful. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you. This is so fun. Read and subscribe to Jasmine Substack at Jasmine Guillory. That's G-U-I-L-L-O-R-Y dot substack dot com to stay up to date on her latest musings, books, and more. You can also follow her on Instagram at Jasmine Picks. Do you need help getting along with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who'd be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous. Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks with a special thanks to Maura Curry. Editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. I'm your dear Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time.